Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I am a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Solis. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Krupus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positive Autistic. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, blogtalkradio.com. <laughs>
depths of Middle Earth. Orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Well, hello out there in Radio Land. This is Emmy, your illustrious host, and this is the Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show, simulcasting for the second week in a row. Really excited about this on both blogtalkradio.com slash thegraveyardshift bitchat.com slash graveyard shift what else is what else maybe i can do a satellite maybe i can go like uh to the to the iss the international space station and do like a like a satellite broadcast and and i probably will have to like hack one of the astronaut spacesuits or whatever that'll be fun right like i wonder if anyone's ever tried that you know i'm always wondered that like like don't you think with all the technology i mean i hope this really does not happen i want to make that apparently clear very obviously clear. I really hope this never, never, ever, ever, ever happens. But I always wonder, like, why haven't our, why hasn't like our space stuff gotten hacked yet? Like, what if like the astronauts are floating around in space and someone hacks into them and starts pumping like cat videos or something? Like, you know, they're up there and they're like fixing the satellites and okay, Houston, uh, this satellite junction point A going into junction point B, and 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 you know, then here comes keyboard cat. Boop, boop, did, did. Can you imagine? I mean, then, you know, probably break or something. Who knows? Guys, November 5th, 2016 is tonight. Season 7, episode Trey Thress. You shouldn't summon Doctor Strange with Arby Sauce. I hope, I wonder how many people got that reference. I'm curious. Bid and call in if you got it. If you did it, sucks to be you. But, you know, it actually sucks to be me because I have not watched Doctor Strange yet. I want to. My wife won't let me. No, I'm kidding. Yes, she will. I just haven't had a chance to. Okay, so I don't actually have a guest scheduled today. I mean, I can't always have guests every single week. You know, people are busy. Celebs are busy. They can't always promise to, uh, you know, uh, come on the show and interview me and whatnot. But what I can do, if I feel like it, is air one of our old interviews. Sometimes I'll do it. Sometimes I won't. Now, for those of you joining us on Blog Talk Radio, or excuse me, on Bid Chat, you may not know this already. For those of you that are already members, subscribers, and shifties, and you already know this, forgive me. Um, but for those of you who I've got like a little fun, there we go. I think it's gone. For those of you who are shifties and you're you're regulars and you know, just sit back and relax. I'll be with you in a second. So those of you that are new, I I just forgot what I was gonna say. I can't believe this. <laughs> I typically have guests on the show, right? And when I don't, oh, actually, when I do anyway, I'll start talking about the weird news of the day. I'll start talking about like paranormal stuff, and it doesn't even have to be paranormal. It could just be just be like strange, weird shit that's out there. I mean, it could be anything, right? But if you guys want to call in and like tell me how much I suck or you know what I'm not covering or whatever. Be, feel free. I'm used to it by now. Graveyard Shift has been around for a very long time. Actually, a lot longer than seven seasons. The seven seasons is just, by the way, how many years we've been on Blog Talk Radio. So the seven is actually the amount of years. We've actually been on the air a lot longer than that. Just add, I think, actually, I think add another eight to that, and that's how long we've I think we've been on like 15 years or so. Because we used to be brick and mortar uh, locally, and then we moved online, and, well, here we are. So, and I'm really always, of course, happy that Bid Chat 
picked us up and decided to take us live streaming on here and I'm you know, joining all the awesome, you know, cool, super neato broadcasters. Thank you for the likes now uh, on vid chat. So if you want to call in, bid in, tell me your strange stories. I want to hear them. I know there's people out there that are brave enough to talk to me about what they have seen and heard and experienced. Has a ghost touched you lately? Has a ghost fondled you recently? Have aliens abducted your soul? Of course, if they have, I don't know if you would notice that, really. Like, what if, like, like you know, I wonder if anybody, like, you know, I, see, here's the thing. Of course, I obviously believe that people have been abducted, okay? This has been a traumatic experience for a lot of these people. In fact, I recently uh, – well, not recently. It's just been a while. I interviewed uh, Betty uh, Andreasen and her husband on the show some time ago, and I don't know if I have that interview on here. I'm not sure. I've got like a whole list of interviews that I've done. Um, yeah, I don't think I have it. If I can, if I can find it and I can upload it, if it lets me upload it, I will play it for you guys because that is actually a really cool interview. But anyway, I interviewed her and her husband about their experience and they had a very unique abduction experience among abductees. And by unique, I mean that they actually had a spiritual experience with the actual aliens. Normally, when you talk to an abductee, they tell you it's very traumatic. You know, they're ripped from their house or their bed or they're lifted into the air by, um, by the, you know, the spaceship or whatever. And, you know, stuff is put into every hole in their body and, you know, they become whatever implanted with stuff. But with that, with Betty or, um, or Becky rather, um, they did not experience that. They actually had a very, uh, very fulfilling almost experience and they were not alone. There were, there was a lot of people that experienced this with them. In fact, you know, I'm talking about this so much. I may as well just find it and play it for you guys later. In fact, I might as well do that. If I can find it, I will. If not, you can get mad at me because I've been, you know, (laughs) getting you to anticipate it and I haven't done it yet. So anyway, um, I guess the big Marvel movie out right now is Doctor Strange, I suppose. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, you know, I, um, I've been hearing a lot of news about uh, the other comic book movies that are out. So I'll be talking about it. Have you guys seen the new Wonder Woman trailer? It looks amazing. The only thing I'm concerned about is that I just hope they get the character right. You know, because the whole thing about the Wonder Woman is that she is supposed to be about you know women's power you know independence and bravery and courage and i hope they get all that right thank you for the like so we'll see about that well why don't we go ahead and get along with the news of the day by the way if you guys that are on blogtalkradio.com wish to contact me and you're not watching me on bidchat.com slash graveyard shift you can do so by calling area code 347-237-5187. That's area code 347-237-5187. Or you can get on, you can open a new window, go to bidchat.com slash graveyard shift and look for, or if that doesn't take you right to my feed, 
you can look for me, you know, search graveyard shift, search my name, Emilio Diaz, and there should be a little option there to bid. I think it's like a dollar a minute or something. It's $3 for a few minutes. That's not so bad, actually. And, and you know what? You'll actually help a good cause because every, every time you bid, if, if you use Bitcoins to bid, I don't know if you guys know this or not, it actually – a portion of all donations goes towards certain charities. And you can actually see the charities that I support on my profile. So please do that. All right. So news, 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 news of the day. Okay. So there was this um, – this article that kind of went viral of this picture of a spider. Now this is not a cryptid. I mean it could it should be as flipping huge as this thing was, but uh basically it was a huntsman spider. Now for those of you that don't know, huntsmen are very very non-aggressive, okay? Um they are actually if I'm not mistaken, they are a relative of the scorpion if I'm not mistaken i might be wrong about that but um anyway this picture of the spider was huge and uh, you know appropriately they called the spider charlotte right and um anyway it was on barnyard the picture showed up on barnyard betty's rescue which was a farm animal sanctuary in queensland australia and that she showed up about a year ago so that means this spider has been there for about a year now um you know this kind of teaches about viral pictures and how things go viral. Sometimes you'll get stuff that's viral like right away or, you know, like for example, and please forgive me for restarting this Chewbacca mom, right? Sorry. I told you I was apologizing. Um, You know, that kind of became popular like really quick and that's fine. But then you have other stuff that actually took a long time to become popular. And, you know, a lot of times people don't find out about something unless somebody shares it. Because remember, we're talking about things that are shared and then shared again and then shared again to the point where it's insanity and it's gone viral. So anyway, if you see a picture of this thing, it's, it's, it's immense. Excuse me. It's absolutely huge. I mean, it's bigger than my hand. Well, you know, I mean, I have bigger hands than Donald Trump, but still it's pretty small. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to tweet this. Let me see if I can I am going to go ahead and tweet this on our on our Twitter feed. There we go. And for those of you who are not sure what our Twitter feed is, it's at Emmy Shift Show. But there you go. You can go on our Twitter feed right now and check it out for yourself. And the thing is huge. She she's a family basically the Huntsman spiders don't build webs, okay? They kind of chase and hunt down their prey. And that includes cockroaches and, and other insects. So they're actually a very helpful species. They're not, they're not an invasory species. Um, now, they can bite people, but they're very reluctant to do so. They usually run a, will run away from you. Okay. Now, um, you know, if you're bitten by one of these things, yes, you should check. You, you should seek medical attention. So anyway, um, you know, um, somewhere, I guess Charlotte left. She, you know deposited some eggs on their farm and she ran off and who knows where she is. Hopefully she's safe somewhere because I personally think she's absolutely adorable. Would I want her to be in my house? Heck no. But you know, so have you guys heard about um, the Amelia Earhart 
mystery. You know, obviously, um, you know, the whole thing with Amelia Earhart is has will always, you know, and forever, you know, be something that's very mysterious to us. Well, um, last month, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery proposed the theory that she landed her plane safely on a remote island and died as a castaway. So um, now scientists say a new discovery shows a striking similarity between the pilot and a partial skeleton of a castaway that's been found on an island of Kiribati in 1940. Um, And a historical photo provided the vital clue. So, in May, let me tell you a little bit about the story just to kind of catch you up. In May 1932, she became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. And she, take, she took off in Canada, and she wanted to land in Ireland. Three years later – well, actually, she, she did that. I'm sorry. Three years later, she flew solo from Hawaii to California, and she won like $10,000. You know, she became really famous. I mean, everybody loved her. Now, with co-pilot Frederick J. Noonan – she was attempting to circumnavigate the globe when her plane disappeared somewhere near Howland Island in the middle of the Pacific. Now, in August, um, Rick Gillespie said uh, that Earhart, that's Tighars, I don't know what that is, T I G H A R S. Rick Gillespie said Earhart made more than 100 radio transmission calling for help between July 2nd and the 6th, 1937, ruling out the possibility of a crash landing. Her calls were picked up as far away as Texas, Florida, even Melbourne. And he was quoted as saying she's out there calling for help. And he added she must have landed safely because the radio would not have worked without the engine running. Now, the bones of this partial skeleton were uncovered on the island of Nikumaroro, also known as Gardner Island, which is about 400 miles south of Howland Island. They were analyzed in the four in 1940, but at the time, a doctor said they were male ruling out the possibility they belonged to Earhart. However, when Tighart discovered the files in 1998, scientists said modern techniques proved the bone, bones were consistent with a female of Earhart's height and ethnic origin. More recently, anthropologist Richard Jantz was preparing an updated evaluation when he noticed a strange detail. The skeleton's forearms were considerably larger than average. However, without knowing the dimensions of Earhart's body, Jans had no way of comparing if her forearms were similarly longer than normal. So then it turns, and the article talks about forensic science. Um, they talk about how they using, you know, by using a historical photo where both of Earhart's bare arms were visible, he calculated the ratio between the bones in her lower and upper arm. So, you know, given the evidence, and this is what he's quoted as saying, given the evidence and my experience in the field of photogrammetry sorry, and photo interpretation, I estimate that the radius to humerus ratio of Amelia Earhart is 0.76. In other words, the difference between her lower and upper arm was virtually identical to the partial skeleton, which was unearthed in the South Pacific. Now, obviously, this does not conclusively prove that that is, but it sure does give some type of, you know, um, possibility that it might be. Let's put it that way. So anyway, uh, there's that. I don't know. I, I don't know, you know, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we really know 
um, if, uh, you know, whatever really happened to her. I think if they can figure out a way to find something and somehow tie it to DNA evidence, then may, maybe, maybe one day we'll find out for sure. But until then, I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Um, I don't know. So that's just the way it is sometimes with these things. You never know, uh, you know, until you actually get the, uh, you know, the evidence. And then that's when you find out. And it's just, it's sad. I mean, because it's not, it's not just about her. It's about Noonan. I mean, he was there with her. So, you know, what about him? You know, nobody, you, you don't hear a lot of people talking about him and that's really sad. I mean, why not? Why, why can't we hear about, well, you know, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I guess people do talk about him. It's just that you don't hear about it that often. So, you know, it's one of those, one of those strange things. So right now what I'm doing is I'm trying to find the interview between myself and, um, the Andreasons and I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time finding it. So what I'm going to do guys, I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to really look for this thing. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing it. No, it's around here somewhere. I've got so many, um, so many, uh, you know, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Now let me see if I, okay. Nope. You know, I tell you, it's one of those things where if I don't see it, I'm not sure if I'm going to find it. I don't see it in here, guys. I'm looking for it here, and I just don't see it. I'm just going to – what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break because I don't want to do this with you. And, um, you know, because it doesn't sound very professional, quite frankly. So I'm going to take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to see if I can hear – if not that – if not the Andreessen interview – something so just stick with me uh this is emmy from the graveyard shift i will be uh right (laughs) where's my bumpers i don't see my bumpers on here oh my gosh oh here we go here we go i'll be uh right back i come in houston this is apollo x this is apollo x request special permission to dock with the station uh, Roger, Apollo, you are go for station dock. Welcome aboard, Shifties. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Broadcasting live on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift. Follow us at hashtag Emmy Shift Show. For our Twitter feed, stay punched in. We'll be back.
Okay, so I cannot find that interview to save my life. I don't know what happened to it. I mean, it's an old one. I mean, it's from it's from last March. That's a long time ago, and I can't keep every single interview on my hard drive. It'll take up too much space. I'm sorry about that, guy. So um, I don't know. I guess uh, that's a shame because I was – I mean, you actually can hear the interview if you go on my episodes uh, list listings on um, my dashboard on blogtalkradio.com. But I tell you what I will do. Um, I'm going to play an interview that is actually really cool. It's an interview between myself and author Bill Hall on the, uh, the Haunted House uh, Diary. Well, I, I don't know if it's the Haunted House Diary. It's about uh, his book. Let's see if I can – hold on one second. If I can figure out – I'm not sure if this is the one that's um, – I want to make sure I've got the right one. Oh boy, let me see here. Oops. Oh, I got it. Okay. The whole book. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not under that. Oh boy, I tell you. That. Yeah, there it is. So there's two there's two books that that Bill wrote. Uh, the World's Most Haunted House, which was from 2014, and then there's another one he wrote, which was uh, The Haunted House Diaries: The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Town in the Center of a Paranormal Mystery. So this is probably this has got to be the one that I did of The Haunted House Diaries. And so this is my interview with uh, William Hall, uh, which is actually a very good interview. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the one that did it, but Excuse me. I, I enjoyed interviewing him. Bill Bill is a really cool guy. I'm hoping to have him on the show again. I can't wait to see what he's going to write next. So anyway, without any further ado, here's my interview with um. It's not going to be. It's going to be kind of cutting it close, but here it is anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, I am on the air with the illustrious author Bill Hall, the author of the Haunted House Diaries. The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Town in the Center of a Paranormal Mystery. Um, and actually, this is the second time, I believe, that Bill has been on the air with us uh, in this show. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, and thank you for the, the word illustrious. That's a, that's a nice word. <laughs> well, I, you're very welcome. As I'm sure you, you may or may not be aware, this is like a little... Um, <laughs> the, the fans count how many times I say that word. Oh, they and do. And I think, I think they drink to it. Yeah, I think they. I, I've been told <laughs> that it's a game. Oh, that's so. Oh, if I'm I had not known, I would have been prepared. Well, no, that. Oh thing well. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand now that this book is more of a kind of compendium, right? Because it doesn't just include one haunted house. I think in the last one, you have you talked about the Lindley Street Poltergeist, and that that book was absolutely unbelievably like really i couldn't put it down i mean and no you're welcome and and um i know that there's been a bit of controversy no nothing no not a bit a lot of controversy over the family of lindley street and and the 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 incidents and the things that happened around that house um has there has there been like an update to that or has there is there any news that you could report before we go on with this book uh yeah there has um it's it's really the 
the news everybody wanted, which was what happened to the little girl, uh, Marcia Gooden. And, um, it, you know, it happened in March. Um, I was at work and got an email from a reader, uh, and there was a link attached saying, hey, this may be uh, Marcy Gooden. And uh, so I clicked on the link, and it was the Mansfield the News Journal out of Ohio. And uh, it was a tiny, tiny little notice said, you know, the Richland County Coroner's Office is requesting the public's help in finding the next akin for Marcia uh, Godin. The last name spelled actually the way the rest of the family spells the name, and the Goodins uh, actually spelled a little different because of mistaken a birth certificate. Boring story, but that's the difference. So that's one of the reasons she was hard to find, too. Um, 51, and she died. February 10th of 2015 uh, at the Ohio uh, Health Medical Center in Shelby, Ohio. Now, this would have been, I just want to make sure I understand this, this would have been the 10-year-old Marsha, correct? Right, right, from okay. 1974. Yeah, now she okay. just turned 51 and is found dead in Ohio. And, uh, you know, she's a, a, alone and nobody knows, uh, you know, who the next of kin is, so they put an ad out for it. And... Uh, says anybody with information, you know, call the number so she can have a proper burial. So, um, so I get that. And luckily in my search and investigation of doing the, the, the book, uh, I did end up coming across a few members of the, uh, the Gooden family. And so I reached out, uh, to one of them and she said, yes, I'll, you know, I'll sign, you know, I'll sign for it. And, uh, but, you know, burials cost a lot of money. And she's like, well, I don't really have the money. Should we take a collection? And, you know, should we bury it next to the parents? But, you know, Marcy was kind of estranged from the parents. So then, uh, you know, there, there's this whole thing, what do we do? And um, so they use they do cremation there. And then, you know, they want to know what do we do with the ashes. And um, matter of fact, I left a message today because uh, – um, the woman from the Gooden family said, you know, I really would rather not have the ashes in my house. You know, I mean, she felt horrible for Marcy and wanted to do the right thing, but was a little spooked by the whole history behind it, you know. Right, yeah. And so I said, well, I'll take them, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, whoa, wait you know. a minute. You said you would take the ashes? Yeah, I said, I said, well, you know, I'll take them because, I, I don't know, I just felt bad of them having no home sitting on a shelf in the coroner's office for uh, you know, who knows? Because I asked the guy, I said, well, what happens if nobody does anything with the body? And he said, well, it just sits on a shelf forever. You know, just, they just got a room. They throw it in there with all the other lost souls, and they just stay there. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty crappy, you know. Um, but uh, the, the family member is uh, looking at um, uh, tribal tradition for Marcy and, you know, uh, maybe to do something like that. But uh, you know, Canada, you know, we know she went to Canada, but they're, they're so secretive with information there. They wouldn't release any information to the coroner. Uh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised because Canada is not exactly known as a uh, kind of cover-up kind of place, really. I've, I've never known them to be that way. Yeah, you know, I think it's their, you know, their databases, from what, my, what I understand, because I did hire a private investigator to find Marcy, but from what I understand, they're databases aren't the same as ours and a lot of times you have to kind of do boots on the ground investigation to find somebody whereas like 
you know, in the United States, it's, you know, you just go on the computer and, you know, you search the six major databases and unless you're on a couch somewhere under the radar, you know, we're going to find you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess Canada is a bit different and they wouldn't release any information to him, uh, which I did find weird considering the circumstances I could see, you know, in my case of trying to just find somebody, you know, in general versus, you know, somebody died trying to find next of kin, you know. Uh, but she was living with um, uh, this other guy. They believed that they were, you know, simply friends. You know, he had, he's actually in a nursing home now, much older and, you know, uh, and dying himself. But um, but they uh, they stay and he wouldn't sign. I think he was scared that uh, there was some other sort of responsibility that he would take on. But um, but in any event, uh, they were together and. I asked him, I said, uh, he said she was very sick and um, she was on some real heavy painkillers and chances are that, you know, could have been related to that. Not that she intentionally did anything, but, you know, she was, had a rough condition, was on some, you know, heavy medication. So I, I, you know, I had asked him, I said, was it epilepsy by any chance? You know, because, you know, we noticed that similarity with these, in these poltergeist cases, um, I remember I I vaguely remember you saying that that it was um that you discovered or you also and all and other uh researchers the paranormal yeah. discovered that there was a lot of cases of these poltergeist activities having to do with epilepsy and in fact if I remember correctly didn't you mention something about that they even um uh hired some kind of telekinetic uh expert or or psychic um some kind of psychic uh energy expert and then even they mentioned something about epilepsy um i didn't hire it but i you know i do know a lot of people who are empaths and you know it seems like there is a high percentage of them that develop like fibromyalgia and things like that so there's definitely i think a connection with some of those things and with that mm-hmm. with epilepsy i know in in some of the poltergeist research in 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 it and when we say a lot, you know, it's probably just a handful, but it, it does stick out because, um, you know, it's it's far more than regular, you know, chance would have it. But, of course, you know, right. you know our data is so poor when it comes to this stuff because most aren't reported and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, when you see, you know, wow, this case had it too. Wow, this case had it too. You know, and then it's like, well, that's that's kind of a lot, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you don't know the chicken or the egg, you know, is it, you know, the energy there that kind of sets this off or is it the other way around and, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, and she, uh, and, you know, the coroner said, no, she had multiple sclerosis, you know, on and off. But he went back and, and called me up later. He says, I got chills because I went back to the file to double check and they did mention epilepsy. So I was like, wow, you know. Uh, and it's very interesting. Yeah, and he mentioned to me, he said, um, he said, you know, when I went in that room, uh, you, you know, to see uh, Marcy, um, of course she was dead, you know, he said instantly he had a very eerie feeling when he walked into her hospital room. And he said it wasn't that she was dead. He's, you know, as a matter of fact, his quote was, heck, I've seen so many unusual deaths, <laughs> you know, you, you, know, you, you, you know, you, you could never imagine, you know, this had nothing, I bet. you know, this had I nothing bet. to do with that, you know. Right. Uh, but he had this very weird feeling. He felt something definitely was 
you know, was weird about it. He couldn't really describe it. And, you know, this seemed like a real no-nonsense guy. And Yeah, I, I felt it was very interesting that he had that um, that feeling. And, uh, and what was sad is it did give us some insight into at least part of Marcy's life. I mean, uh, she was in Ohio at one point, went to Canada, evidently came back to Ohio. And the neighbors didn't even know she lived there. They never saw her coming or going. So I don't know if the friend she was living with, you know, was going out and getting groceries and doing all those things for her. I would imagine so. Um, but, you know, that was kind of sad. She must have been, you know, relatively um, still alone. Or I mean, she came back here alone. Hopefully she had some good years in between as a, um, as a reader said, it's, I thought it was a, a well said uh, quote. So, you know, that, that's where we, we are at that. It's kind of a tragic end to, um, you know, a story that was, uh, you know, tragic for her when she was uh, 10. And, uh, you know, like I said, hopefully she had some good years in between. So. I hope so. I mean, do we know, and forgive me if you already mentioned this, but do we know what, what she passed away of? Or maybe, maybe that's something personal that the family doesn't want to be, you know, published. published. Yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely know it's related to her condition, in my guess. Um, you know, from what the coroner said, it, it probably was related to a combination of her condition and, you know, the medication. Um, and I, I don't think they you know, we're looking into it further than that. You know, there right. wasn't there wasn't any mystery to it. It was, you know, she was very, very ill. Um, and, you know, she had it uh, pretty bad at the, at the time based on the medication she was on is, is what I was told. Uh, they did find uh, in the apartment a letter from her brother, which I uh, believe was a biological brother. So, they're, you know... Um, it would have been nice to recover that, and that's actually um, have a follow-up call in uh, with him to see if there's any more to that. But for anybody who has the book, uh, the full update, um, a lot, which I said, but in, uh, the full update uh, is on the bonus uh, features page of the website. So um, if when I find out any additional details, I'll certainly update everybody there too. And what's what's the website? Oh, that's the uh, bonus feature one in the back of the book. So when you oh, first okay. book and you, yeah. So um, so there you go, guys. It. If you want to know more about that, you got to get the world's most haunted house and look in the bonus features uh, page for that information. Because and it's and it's <laughs> it's definitely worth knowing about. Because I mean, as you can see, there's already we already have an update about it. So this isn't a static story that just stays there and doesn't ever get told. You know, know nothing about it ever again. You know, so. You know, I it's it's a really interesting one. I now do you do you talk about this particular house in the haunted house diaries at all, or or is this uh, just mainly list? Is this only mainly talked about in, the, in this other book? Uh, no, I do not talk about it in haunted house uh, diaries. Uh, haunted house diaries is uh, specific to uh, an area actually in Connecticut. Also, it, it's really an kind of like a, well, it is a paranormal flap and uh, appears to be in a triangular shape covering uh, an area there. Um, actually, um, up the road from the, well, way up the road from 
the Hudson UFO sightings. So it runs oh, along that that same parallel all the way up. And um, a good portion of the book focuses on a home that basically is at the epicenter of this flap. And when I say epicenter, there's you know there's water on three sides. It's right. Um, it's right where all of these things are, you know, are happening. And, um, and, you know, we find as you, as you probably know or have heard that you know, nearby water is not, um, uncommon. You know, you usually, you know, even look for that. And this has that, uh, typical beside it, um, you know, that the house three sides has, you know, the, the water there. And actually the land there is uh, native American land too. I mean, it's, it's just that whole area has a, a history uh, going back many, many years of uh, bizarre things. And there's some, you know, better known things that I don't really go in. When I say better known, like there's a Yankee peddler in there that, you know, they say this is haunted and things, you know, and I don't, I don't go into kind of the uh, folklore slash urban legend part of it. I, you know, I stuck to things that really weren't uh, written about before. And I mentioned some of the other things is things in that area, but, um, but it's fascinating because, it, you know, with with this house in in particular, it's not, you know, for the most part, it's not malevolent. This, there's only been three families that have lived in this uh, farmhouse, which was built in uh, the 1700s. And the lady who lives there now literally was born and brought back to that house. I mean, her mother lived in that house, her grandmother lived in the house, her great-grandmother lived in the house, six generations lived in that house. So, and as far back as, you know, everyone tells the stories that, that you know, there's been paranormal activity there. And um, Donna, the lady of the house, in fact, um, she didn't know what paranormal was. She just thought it was how everybody's house was. Wait, so wait, she, so she, wait, so I mean, so then things were things were happening, but she didn't associate them with the I mean I'm, I I want to make sure I'm understanding this right were things happening and she didn't know that's what what the reason was well no she in other words she knew that they were you know whatever you want to call them spirits or whatever you know you know her her theories changed and developed as she was there but she thought that was normal you know what I mean <laughs> that's what I mean because she because she grew up with it you know oh, yeah like, oh my god that's amazing and you yeah, know it's it, it's amazing, but at the same time I've heard it before. It's amazing yeah. how many people grow up with this stuff, and they just to them it's just an oh okay that was you know you it's. I remember growing up. I actually have my own experience of something like this, and oh, I normally wow. don't talk about this, but you bring you brought it up, so you're going to bring it out of me. Yeah, no, and, I'd love to hear. Yeah. So this is going to it's kind of cool. My grandmother lived in this one house. Um, I don't know how old it was. I don't think it was that old. Maybe turn of the century, if even. If even. It was like a, it was a brick house. And um, one day I I went there. You know, I was a kid, and you know, you you, you know they're you know it's a it's a house, so you're gonna hear old you know the house settling and stuff like that. And I didn't think anything of it. And so um, my mother kind of. Um, I was talking to her, and then I told her about all the stuff that I was hearing, and she said, "Okay, I, I have something to tell you. You need, are you sitting down?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sitting right in front of you. Of course, I'm sitting down." 
And she said, okay. <laughs> and she said, well, she went, she was there because she would visit, you know, my grandmother obviously on a, on a regular basis. And they were sitting, my grandmother and my mother were sitting in the kitchen. My grandfather was not home yet. Okay. He, he used to work at a cigar factory. And for those of you who don't know, they're listening. Tampa is, or at one point was the cigar capital of the world. Really? It was, we were called oh. cigar city. And, you know, we have all these really old – you would really like it, Bill. There's a really old – have you ever been to Tampa? No. You would love it. There's all these really old cigar factory I buildings. I'll stay at your house. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'll stay at your house. <laughs> oh, you'll stay here? Oh, my God. You'd have three three rambunctious children to deal with. But anyway, <laughs> um, he used to work at the cigar factory kind of picking up the tobacco leaves or whatever, and he had not gotten home yet. Well – Again, my mother and my grandmother were in their kitchen, and you can't see the front door from where you are in their kit in her kitchen. And they heard the door opening and closing. So my mother said, "Oh, Poppy is here." You know, Poppy is Spanish for dad. And yeah. my grandmother's like, "Oh no, 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 that's the little boy." And you know, you could kind of. My mother's like, "What? What do you mean the little boy? What little boy?" And she says, "The little boy, the little, the little boy, the little ghost boy." Mother's like, what the hell are you talking about, little ghost boy? Mom, what, what little ghost boy? I mean, she thought my grandmother was like pulling a, uh, pulling yeah. her leg or something. And says it so matter of fact. Oh, that's a little ghost boy. What, exactly. That's that's exactly it. And and you know, so my mother's wondering what in God's name is happening. Is my is is my you know this is coming from her. Is my mother going crazy? So she goes. My grandmother goes into this long diatribe about apparently the entire time they had been living in that house. They have had numerous experiences with this little boy that would walk in and out of the house. He would sit on the on the edge of their bed. He would, you know, just kind of be there looking at them. In fact, then then it turns out my cousin had an experience with this little boy, and th- this was we did not know this. They no one had said, and isn't this amazing? No one had said anything. And what was even more amazing is each of us had a separate experience not saying a word to the other person and we knew it was the same because we all had the same it was like oh it's a little boy and in, and this is kind of sweet um well in a, in a very ethereal sense but my cousin's experience was that he was um you know he would kind of spend the night at my grandmother's house sometimes for whatever reason and they had a, like a, a guest room there and he would sleep there and then he said one night he woke up and felt like a, like a warm body next to him. Obviously, there was nobody there. When he looked, he saw the little boy laying down next to him, kind of snuggling with him. So that was, wow. he was like, yeah. And he, he and I'm like, my God, you didn't get up and run. He's like, no. You know, the weirdest thing was, it felt so beautiful and so natural. It felt like like it's a, like it's okay. He's not going to hurt me, kind of thing. So right, right, and and. and it's funny because that kind of experience uh, happens too. And of course that happened in, in this house, but I'm, I'm sure it's common throughout. Each one has an experience. Nobody wants to mention it to the other. Meanwhile, uh, if they did or when somebody does, they're all like, Oh my God, I, you know, me too. And right, you know, there's a right. whole, whole and bunch then, of me too's and sharing and exactly. uh, of uh, stories. Yeah. And suddenly you're not so crazy. <laughs> Right, suddenly, right. it's suddenly not the burrito. It's not the burrito yeah. that oh, you so, ate the night before. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, it's not that time I banged my hair. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but yeah, and, and that's, you know, what's fascinating about this is um, 
she, from when she was a teenager, you know, she's in her 60s now, from when she was a teenager, she kept this uh, diary. And by diary, I mean, these were on slips of papers, backs of envelopes. I mean, and, and, you know, she had it typed out when she gave it to me, but she said, Mr. Hall, come look at this. I want to show you, I, I don't want you to think that I'm making it up or I just typed this out. And she showed me this box of all of these different kinds of papers and, you know, you know, different from different years, backs of envelopes, and, you know, where, where she had cataloged, you know, as it happened, all this stuff, and the variety of phenomena. I mean, from from UFOs to, to Bigfoot to entities to uh, ancestors to time slips, uh, just an incredible... Uh, amount of phenomena and are, and these, are these things that happened in the house or in the, or near the house or both yeah i oh, mean oh, yeah all, all of the above i mean ufo sightings <laughs> as, as well as uh things typical of kind of a, the a ufo experience i mean we tend to classify you know if you're outside we tend to classify things more as ufo rather than paranormal you know depending you know it's just the way our mind thinks, you know, because it's open sky. Uh, right, and, so, you know. and I, and I but, understand. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say, so in this case, you have, you know, crossover of some experience that is um, uh, similar to, you know, UFO kind of activity as well as UFO sightings, uh, Bigfoot sightings, not in the house, but, I mean, you know, in, in that area. And actually, that goes back. Uh, hundreds of years in the in the nearby mountain, which is now a ski resort. Um, so you know, Bigfoot sightings, a long, long history of that. And, well, that, that's uh, common in that area. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and not only that, but the house isn't wasn't the house like in the, built in like the 1790s, I, be, I believe. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now, yeah. and and that kind of explains a little bit why the ghost hunters, the famous ghost ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. When they investigated it, they dubbed it like Ghost Central. I mean, did, yeah. what what kind of experiences did they have when they went there? Um, Lorraine um, said she felt the presence of, of uh, spirits, and she told uh, Donna that she feels that, uh, that she's not in danger, um, you know, that she wasn't getting a, you know, horrifying, you know, feeling, you know, anywhere in the house. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's just quite a lot that, there have been a few negative things that happened there, but, you know, I think they were more fleeting. You know, I, I, I related as this, if you took a different family and put it in, in that house, hmm. it, it could be a disaster. You I, know, I, the wrong, yeah, exactly. The right kind of family is, you know, that's one thing, but exactly. Yeah. Right, you know, sending out the frequency of attracting the wrong things, whereas they're so, you know, I, I mean, they, they, they get startled. It's, it's not it's not a fear of fear. Obviously, whenever you get startled, it doesn't matter what it, you know, what it is, something not, right. you know. It's not the same, quite the same as fear. In fact, you know, Donna's told me, she said, well, it's not really time to be afraid because you see something and then, you know, it's gone or something, so it's, it's more than not knowing when things are going to happen. Right, and and I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not necessarily what you see. A lot of people that are not familiar with this kind of thing, that they're more fans of it or new fans. Yeah. That's really yeah. – most of our audience 
most of the audience of this show are new fans that that they just got into the paranormal or they're like fans of horror movies that they like to hear about stuff like this. So um, that's kind of one of the reasons why when I talk to authors and I discuss this kind of thing, I take it from kind of a newbie aspect because I'm trying to help them understand it. And I'm glad you said that because that kind of helps me to explain to our listeners that when these things happen, they don't just happen like you see in the movies, like, you know, you see, you know, your, your kid brothers on the floor playing with the doll. And you're like, you know, Nathan, Nathan. And he goes, looks back and like, Oh my God. You know, it's right, not like right, that. Right. <laughs> That's it's, Hollywood. It's, this is not the same yeah, and, thing. You know, and, and Holly, it, it is interesting that way because, you know, in horror movies, there's normally, you know, just one or two reactions, you know, in real life you have, as as we saw on Lindley Street, I mean, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's sadness, there's anger, right. there's, uh, you know, there's uh, hysterical, there's, you know, you're frightened, you know, it's it's a myriad of, of, of emotions either within one person or, you know, different people, you know, handle it differently. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, how many times, have, you know, I've, I've been watching a show or a movie and I'm like, that person was a scream. You know, they, they wouldn't have been able to say anything. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and and maybe of... I'm wrong. Maybe some of them would. But, you know, some of those situations you see and you're like, I don't even think I'd be able to let a word out. You know, I wouldn't be able to scream. I would just be completely silent and, sh- and in shock. You know? well, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I think I would be, too, especially something that happens just just in front of you and without you even being warned or anything. I'm, I'm curious about these uh, phantom notes and and correspondences that kept being delivered to the house well that is something that i'm not usually you don't usually hear about that with these kinds of uh experiences can you explain that a little bit yeah um and this is this is kind of an example of you know what i would call a you know time slip um or, or it may not be and that's that's you know part, part of the cool thing with, with with this book that that i like about the book is there's some uh, chapters, you know, talking about, you know, what could it be or, you know, what are the different interpretations or, you know, and I asked Paulino who's been in doing this for 44 years and Shane uh, Sirois, who's, you know, unbelievable, knowledgeable Native American, you know, had the haunting and near-death experience and all that stuff younger and, you know, he, he, he walked in the house and was able to tell me stuff that was in in the diary that he never read because I asked him, I said, do you want it? And, you know, it's not published or anything. I said, do you want to read it before you come to the house? He's like, no, no, let me just, you know, and he walked in and said, well, I sense this. I see this. I see that. And I'm like, and, and even, you know, Donna <laughs> lives in the house. She's looking at me like, holy crap. You know, he, he's taking things that have happened over the years and he's, you know, he's telling them all. So anyhow, it, it's kind of neat to talk about, you know, what these things could be. And sometimes, you know, there's a few different things that can be, but in any event, you know, what happened was um, this is when Donna was uh, uh, younger, you know, as a, a teenager, and um, a note was left, you know, sorry I missed you, and uh, signed by, you know, two of their friends. And uh, they said, oh. So, you know, the mother picks up the phone and, uh and uh, calls and, um, you know, doesn't get them. And, you know, and then, you know, a few hours go by, there's a knock on the door and it's them. And they say, Oh yeah, I got your note. Sorry, we missed you. We tried. And they're like, well, we didn't leave a note. So, you know, that was 
boxes are. And then there was another there was another note left, and um, the mother called them, uh, but these people were out of state, and they said, "No, we weren't going to see you." So it was, it, you know, just a, a a bizarre kind of occurrence. But these are the kinds of things that happen uh, in this house. And what's really neat is is because nobody's in, and because it's not a Lindley Street and nobody's in peril, you know, and the family is fascinated by this too. Um, it's like a great place to go and see what you can. You know, every time you go, there's something different happens, <laughs> you know, and it's a great place to go and set up cameras and you know uh, set up recorders and you know we we set up the cameras that go off when there's movement. And um, it's it's a great place to basically capture phenomena, you know. If you, so the, I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming that someone has already captured some EVP sessions. I've, I mean, has, did Ed and Lorraine do any EVP sessions while they were there, or, no, or anybody for that matter? No, they didn't. But uh, I did with uh, Shane and uh, and Paul. You know, we uh, we did a number of them, and using a variety of equipment, and we also got photo evidence um, uh, one of them was a little girl uh, which is a whole story about and uh, and also video evidence and this to me you know when I saw this uh, this was the thing that really uh, shocked me because um, I'll tell you part of this story it's one of my favorite chapters in the book because it's just it's just such a bizarre story their grandson, when he was about three, used to like you know he would be sitting playing in the middle of the carpet, and he would like look up and he look up and point. As a matter of fact, on the bonus page of this book, there'll be a home video where you see the the little child on a rocking horse just keeps stopping because he's distracted over and over and pointing and pointing, saying, "Well, hmm. you know," <laughs> and you, you can hear Donna, the mother, you know, I, I mean the grandmother. Um, who kept the diary, she was the one who kept the diary, you know, keep trying to figure out what he's looking at. And, of course, you know, some of that stuff happens. So you say, okay, well, that as an isolated incident doesn't mean paranormal, of course, but as a whole story, it just gets really uh, interesting. So uh, he, you know, he'll play in the middle of the living room and stuff and be distracted, uh, like he's nodding his head and, you know, listening to something. And he would go over to the bathroom area and, at any point, and he'd stay there and kind of sh- you know shake his head and listen and and they'd have to literally go to move him because he, he would just stay in that area mm. and and um, so then as he's talking and you know getting a little bit old I think when he was about when he was about four you know it's a little bit later he's um, as he's starting to go to school and stuff he, he starts talking about uh, Ashwine. Um, I'm sorry, you're talking about what now? Because I lost that part. Ashwar. Ashwar? Yeah, he said Ashwar is a girl in a blue dress, and she was in a car accident, and now she's stuck here to observe. And, uh, you know, they say, well, what are you doing? I'm playing with Ashwar or whatever. And they're like, what the heck? So, you know, so they basically said, you know, let's not talk about this thing. You know, outgrow it. And even the mother would go to the parent-teacher conference, and they'd say, "Well, you know, how's your sister? How's how's, he, how's your how's your 
you know, daughter. And she's like, I don't have a daughter. You know, you know I mean, he was just talking about this person, oh, this, quote unquote, invisible friend, you know. And uh, then he, um, so all this, all this is, is happening, and and he 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 tells some very detailed things about the car crash and the type of car, you know, very bizarre for somebody that age, the type of detail he was sharing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he would go out by this tree and he'd put his t- trucks around it, you know, his toys. And, you know, and so what are you doing? I'm putting toys out for Ashwar. Where's Ashwar? Ashwar is in the tree, you know? So Paul Eno was there because uh, he started this case in 2005. That's actually how I found it because I became friends with Paul, who, if you remember, was the 21-year-old seminary student in, in the uh, in the Lindley Street case back in 74. Right, yes, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I became good friends with him through, you know, interviewing and, and stuff from that book. And uh, uh, we became quite close, and, and so he said, well, you know, I have this case in your neck of the woods. Why, you know, I'll come and introduce you to family and stuff. So, and, you know, that's how I got involved in it. And he, uh, so the the grandson, you know, Paul's there, and the grandson mentions Ashwar, and Paul says, "Well, where is Ashwar?" He says, "Oh, he's out in the tree." So it's this is at nighttime. So Paul goes out with infrared camera and he films up in the tree, and he captures this. Uh, I can only describe it as uh, a cross between like a serpent and a tadpole almost. And it mm. looks like it's either in front of the tree or coming down. It, it looks like it's coming down the tree, but it may not be, you know. And as it comes down, then it kind of goes into to a mist. But it's very much a very specific shape before that. You know, it's not like, oh, it's just a mist. or You know, and it, nobody was smoking or nothing out there. It's, you know, we've had the video looked at too i mean it's it's bizarre it's not very long but it's that'll be on the bonus page too by the way but it's it's an incredible uh video but and then it gets more interesting because so it appears we call ashwar on film basically you know Hmm. and and um you know and it never did any harm or anything it was just you know he's playing with ashwar you know it was kind of and, it's kind of like an imaginary friend kind of thing, except it was not imaginary. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder how many of our imaginary friends are, you know, are this kind of thing. But I and, actually, I once interviewed uh, an author that wrote a book about that subject, and it was unbelievable how many. Um, I wish I remembered the name of the book because it was really cool. It was this was many years ago when I was. The, I call it my brick and mortar days when we had the show in the actual physical radio station, um, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it was really fun. And she wrote a book about, you know, her son had an imaginary friend, and then she, all this poltergeist activity was happening that was connected to it, and then you know they, they were kind of these kind of people where you know the, the poltergeist wasn't really harming anybody; it was just saying, "Hey, I'm here." kind of thing. Right, right. And but they still didn't want it to be around because they thought, you know, they didn't want it they didn't want to think if maybe it traumatizes the child maybe or something, you know, they kind of let it move on, helped it move on and whatever. And that was fine and that was it. But that kind of made her wonder and she, cuz she's a writer and she thought, "Well, man, if this happened to my son, I wonder how many more people this happens to." So she kind of made um see, this was before social media, so she kind of did a uh 
a uh, she went on the bulletin board online and uh-huh. she kind of sent out um, a query, and she said she could not believe how many people responded, like hundreds and hundreds of people responded, and um, really it, it really it was really amazing how that, yeah how that, that's a fascinating uh, concept and it really and, is and, and it makes sense and. You know, it's funny because in the Lindley Street book, Joe, Officer Joe Tomek said that experience made him think how many people are in jail that shouldn't be because it was related to something, you know, paranormal. That's true. That's very you true. Know, so, I mean, but it's interesting how your perspective changes on that. You know, we think imaginary friends is one thing, but, you know, if if it if some of it mimics that, then it would stand the reason that there would be a, a lot of that, that really was phenomenal and a lot that wasn't, you know, it's. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. I had to cut the interview short, but it looks like we're running really close to time here. So um, maybe one of these days I'll be able to play the whole thing. Actually, it's actually like an hour long interview. And I took a bit of time in the beginning of the of the show just to talk. I wasn't really planning on playing a specific interview, but there you have it. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. Next week, I will be airing an interview between myself and magician Michael Knight. Uh, he's a local magician here in Florida who is absolutely just very, very talented, very magical kind of guy. The story that he's going to tell is going to blow you away i strongly recommend tuning in next saturday evening uh 8 30 p.m same graveyard shift time save graveyard shift channel remember we simulcast now so we're on blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift and on bidchat.com slash graveyard shift saturday evenings 8 30 p.m eastern standard time so we hope to see you again uh next week uh, well, I'll be interviewing uh, or airing the interview between myself and Michael Knight. And by the way, I will also be interviewing, I believe the week after that, or well, it'll be soon after that, um, very nationally famous magician, Jim Steinmeier. We're also getting uh, Seth Shostak back in the show, as well as, of course, Nick Redfern, his fan favorite. He's always welcome here. And uh, trying to get Linda Godfrey on as well. She's extremely busy, but we're going to try to get her back on because I know you guys love to listen to her so at any rate just tune in follow us at all of our places of sociality here on blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift bidchat.com slash graveyard shift emmy shift show on facebook.com under emilio diaz or i think i'm i think it's emmy the shogun under facebook.com welcome all friend requests as long as you know within reason be nice okay guys so that's it thank you for watching the graveyard shift this is emmy and i I am going to end my blog talk radio episode now.